Thank you so much, uh, Daryl. You saw in the picture of me when I was a little kid. And I would go on those trips and I'd watch Daryl sharing his faith. And I would follow his example. And my father's example. And other Y-Winners' examples. And as I grew older, I had the privilege of sharing my faith. And I've been able to uh, disciple over 100 college guys. And my heart is that they would share their faith like Daryl taught me. My little daughter Eliana here. In, uh, in our hometown. She shares her faith with very many people. So now it's fun to see the next generation learning to share their faith. But right now as I begin to speak to you, I want you to know you're the next hero. If you learn this, what we talk about today, you'll have the opportunity to multiply to many others. Who will multiply to many others. Who will multiply to many others. Do you know how long it would take for you, Mary Jo, to reach the entire world through multiplication? I can elaborate later if you want. But I'll tell you in a, in a short way. 37 years. So it's time for us to train others, to train others, to train others, to be witnesses. It's not time to just build big churches and be comfortable. It's time to make disciples who will witness to all the ends of the earth. So, Daryl, thank you for your investment in my life. And for inviting me here to be a part of this. Uh, I wanted to say how you view yourself. And how you view God. And how you view God's will for you. Are the most important things in your life. If you get those wrong. You get everything wrong. So I want to encourage you from God's word today. About having the right view of God. And you. And the work he has for you. And I hope that this will be a foundation for the rest of the week. This week you'll learn a lot. But it's worthless. But it'll be worthless. If your heart is not in the right place. So today I'm going to ask you for a decision. This morning I want to ask you. In about 45 minutes. For a decision. That I think will really have a lot to do. With what you get out the rest of this week. 
and how that plays out over the rest of your life. So please right now turn with me to Ephesians 2. We're going to read chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. Okay. I'll read in English and then you can read in, in Spanish. Okay, starting in verse 8, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's masterpiece, or God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
And he showed me tremendous evidence as I asked those questions. Y él me mostró evidencia tremenda conforme yo le fui haciendo esas preguntas. And he even used my weakness y, y de hecho usó mi, debi mi debilidad to cultivate a strength para cultivar fuerza that he's used in great ways in evangelism. que él ha usado en grandes formas en el evangelismo. I have the opportunity now to do an apologetics radio show. Yo eh, tengo la oportunidad de tener un programa de radio uh, apolo, apologico. With evidence. My, my encouragement to you y mi, y mi, y mi is like Daryl is teaching us. Es como Daryl, Daryl está your, your testimony is valuable. Tu testimonio es valioso. Okay, ¿Sí? so Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 happened to me. Entonces, Ephesians 2, eh, del 8, eh, 8 and 9. Yeah. Sí, 8 y 9 me pasó a mí. But verse 10 tells us something else. Pero el verso 10 nos dice algo más. It tells us that you are God's masterpiece. Él nos dice que ustedes son la obra maestra de Dios. Created in Christ Jesus. Creados en, en Cristo Jesús. For good works. Para buenas obras. Which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Okay, I think you might be wondering what this is, right? Well, when I was about uh, eight years old, I got separated from my family in Mexico City. Horrible experience. For me and for them. And, uh, and I didn't want it to happen with my precious daughter. So I bought this wonderful, very intricately designed tool. It's a masterpiece. And it's designed for a purpose. Just like each of you. When my daughter has this in her pocket, wherever she goes in the world, I can see her on my phone. So it's a masterpiece designed for a purpose. Except there's one problem. It doesn't work. <laughs> it is an expensive investment without any, without any return. I can't track her on my phone. My wife today said that she's tracking us from America. <laughs> but it doesn't work here. Okay, here's my encouragement to you. Just like this masterpiece, you are a masterpiece. Except infinitely more wonderful. And just like this has an important purpose, you have a, the most important purpose. I told William last night that being an evangelist is the greatest job in the world. There's no president with a better job. We have the privilege of helping people find a savior. So don't be a masterpiece designed for a purpose that doesn't fulfill its purpose. Okay. I want to encourage you to be the masterpiece that fulfills its purpose. 
So I'm going to share with you three main points today. Así que les voy a tres you are a masterpiece. Number one. Number two, you were designed for a purpose. And number three is that God is unfolding his purpose in his timing. He tells us all this right here in Ephesians 2.10. So, number one, you are God's masterpiece. Adriana? Andrea? Andrea? You are a beautiful masterpiece. Um, Liz, you are a beautiful masterpiece. Simon, you are a handsome masterpiece. <laughs> but, a, but a wonderful masterpiece of God. You guys, as I prayed about this day, I have books full of evangelism training. And I teach a lot of content about training. But God was very clear. Do something different. Tell these people how special they are. He wants you to know that you're very special. Vanessa, Vanessa God wants you to know you're very special. Okay. You're, you're his masterpiece. And he doesn't do things wrong. Do you guys remember the first chapter of the Bible? Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, in verse 4, God makes light. And then he says, it's very good. In verse 10, he makes the land and the sea. And he says, it's very good. In verse 12, he makes plants. He says they're very good. In verse 18, the sun, the moon, the stars. And he says it's very good. Right? In 21, he makes the fish and the birds. And he says they're very good. Right? In 25, he makes the animals and says they're very good. In 31, he looks at all that he's made. And he says it's very good. Do you think God makes junk? Do you think he makes wonderful things? You are one of the wonderful things God has made. You are. Did you know that Psalm, Psalm 139 tells us that you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Dice que ustedes fueron hermosamente creados. Aliana, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Aliana, tú eres hermosamente creada. A precious treasure. Un hermoso tesoro. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27. En Génesis 1, 26 y 27. We're told that you're made in God's very image. Se dice de que este, nosotros, Dios nos hizo en su propia imagen. What's your name? Flori. You are made in God's image. You look like God. In a way I never will. You're a beautiful creation. And you need to know that. Because how you view yourself is very important. If you look at yourself the way 
our world tells you to look at yourself, you will always be less than enough. But when you see yourself the way God says you are, the way He says is true, that is incredibly important. Now, Genesis 3 takes a turn. Genesis 1 says, Genesis 1 says everything is beautiful, done right. Genesis 3, we mess it up. Sin, sin mars God's beautiful creation. Your beautiful creations marred by sin but when you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord like I shared a moment ago you become a new magnificent creation. We're, we're told that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And that's a promise that you are a new creation. Mary Jo, I don't know your past, but you are a new creation. Each of you here are a new creation. So, Eliana, come here. I want, I want you to help me with something. Okay, here are 20 quetzales. Nobody in this room likes quetzales more than Eliana. She likes the birds, not the money. <laughs> but how much is this worth? 20 quetzales. Okay. Okay, I'm going to take it. I have muddy feet. Not terrible, but dirty. Okay, I'm going to go like this. How much is it worth? Yeah? Okay. Eliana had a horrible story today. As she was sharing her faith, she stepped in something. She stepped in some dog poop. Okay, Eliana, will you step on this? I know. Her feet are pretty clean. But still now, surely this isn't worth 20 quetzals. Right? It's worth 20 quetzals? I want to tell you, your, your past, uh, whatever has happened that you were frustrated with, the expectations that have not been met, Satan will lie to you, you are not valuable anymore. And you know what God says? He says, you are valuable. And I clean you and you are valuable. Okay, can I give you this valuable 20 minutes? Okay, never forget that you are valuable, okay? Never forget, always remember, okay? Alright, so I want to keep encouraging you from Ephesians 5.1, a few chapters later. We don't have to turn there. It says you are dearly loved children. What's your name? Rolando, you're a dearly loved child of God. Okay, everybody say, I am a dearly loved child of God. 
You are dearly loved children of God. God does not look at you with shame or frustration. The shame was dealt with at the cross. God looks at you with love. And as dearly loved children, Ephesians 5.1 continues. It says, as dearly loved children, seek to follow God's example. Obey Him. Do what He's called you to do. As a child that is dearly loved. Eliana, were you excited to come on this trip with me? She almost couldn't contain herself. She was so excited. She didn't say, Dad, are you kidding me? As a dearly loved child, be excited to do what God calls you Now, with that being said, I want to tell you a little bit about what he's called you to do. So you are his masterpiece. You're designed for his work. So let's talk about that second point a little bit. Who you are is a part of the plan. Okay? Uh, in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, we hear that you are an instrumental part of the body of Christ. There's no plan B for Joseph. Okay? In Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, 13 to 18. We're told that God knit you together. Do you remember Jeremiah's example? God called him from the time he was in his mother's womb to ministry. It's in chapter 1 of Jeremiah. Or Paul's example. Do you remember Paul? In Acts 9, God said, I've, I've set him apart for my purpose. You remember in 1 Samuel 16, David's example, how Samuel anoints him to be king. God is building you to be the person he wants you to be for his purpose. In Psalm 100, verse 3, we're told it is God who builds us, not we ourselves. He's the one that is making you. And he's using your experiences. Your circumstances. Your past. Your failures. He's using all of this and he's and he's building you into a masterpiece with an incredible purpose. Who you are is very important. Where you are is very important. In fact, in Acts 17, in verses 26 and 27, we're told that God determined the times and the places that you would live 
so that the people around you would find him. Para que la gente que está tuyo te Why are you in this city at this time in history? So that people would find Jesus through you. Así que la gente pueda so who you are is important. Where you are is important. When you're there is important. God has designed you Dios te and he's continuing to design you y él te sigue for a work para un that he's called you to do. Que él te ha hacer. And I want to uh, take a little bit of a moment and ask you to reflect on your story. I told you how my story began with doubt and depression. I met a savior. He changed me. The, the depression was replaced with incredible joy. The doubt did not disappear. But over years, God used my weakness to help me in ministry. My story is of a person that got saved and created for a purpose. And your story is no different. So right now, I want to ask you to begin thinking about your story. Who were you before you knew Jesus? I want to ask you to give me maybe one or two words that describe who you were before Jesus. What are your thoughts? What one or two words describe who you were before Jesus? I didn't have any hope. Hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Okay. What else? What else? Okay, so when I, before I met God, I, I mean, and I was not with my friends, I cried a lot because of the problems that I was having with my family and also my friends. Who else? What word describes you before Jesus? Confusion. Without a purpose? Yeah. A messy life? Uh, anger and pain? Bad things, huh? Cosa mala, ¿verdad? What, what has Jesus done in your life? Give me one word. Ahora, dígame qué es lo que Jesús ha hecho en sus vidas. Deme una palabra. Confianza. Trust. 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 Peace. Future. 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 Esperanza. He's done something great. He's making you into something great for a purpose. Let me tell you a little bit about that work real quick. I'm going to try and keep this short. In Mark 12, 29, 30. In Marcos 12, 29, 30. 
We're told the greatest commandment. This greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a great purpose. And you know what? If you get that, then you get this. Because Jesus himself tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If my heart is filled with love for my Savior, you won't have to tell me, Nate, go share your faith. The treasure in my heart will be coming out of my mouth. So the first work we're created for is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Again, if I love my neighbor that does not know the Lord, share my faith with my neighbor. Because I really love them. The third greatest commandment. Have you ever heard of the third greatest commandment? Daryl told it to us. <laughs> right before you leave this earth, you tell your loved ones what you do not want them to miss. And Acts 1.8 is part of Jesus' last message to his disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we see a little bit more to that same message. Where God says, go and make disciples of all nations. You are called to that work. Now I want you to know something. You've got to get this. This is very important. You cannot do it. You are too weak. You are insufficient. And you are unable. Okay? You might think I'm joking, but I am not. I want you to own that. You are too weak. I often tell my students, you don't have what it takes. Okay? But here's the great news. The Holy Spirit that is in you, He is up to the challenge. So you can say, God, I'm weak. I cannot do it. But because of your spirit in me, I have everything I need to obey your commandments. So you are weak, but in him you are very strong. So as you seek to do his will, I want to encourage you to rely on his power. Your view of yourself is important. You are God's dearly loved children. But your view of God is even more important. Trust Him to empower you to do what only He can do. 
Is this making sense? Are you getting this? No sé si tiene estos, estos if you start thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta do it myself. I gotta just try harder. If you start thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta do The work we're called to is important work. The world needs a savior. It is a privilege to be called to this work. In 1 John 5.3 it says God's commands are not burdensome. In 1 Corinthians 3.9 we're told That we are God's co-workers, his co-laborers. Just like we are working together. When you do God's work in his power. You are working together with the God of the universe for the work that the God of the universe has planned for you. It's the most wonderful thing you could ever do with your life. It does not get better. I feel like I'm the most blessed man alive. But nothing gets better than working with God. In Mark 1, John the Baptist says, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. In Acts 5, the disciples said, We are happy that we were counted worthy to be persecuted for Christ. Church history tells us that Peter, when he was about to be crucified, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus was. Turn me upside down. My encouragement to you is, We have such a privilege to, to co-work with God. His followers felt uh, amazed that they had been counted worthy to suffer for him. It's even more exciting to be counted worthy to work with him. So you are his masterpieces. You're created and designed for his work. And his work is the greatest thing that you could ever be a part of. Now I want to wrap this up in the next 20 minutes. With that in mind, I want to talk about time. You know, in this same passage, it says that God's prepared works beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, there's a day planner for you. Okay, are you going to walk in it? Do you want to? Do you realize that God's timing is a part of that day planner? I encourage you to be faithful today. Not just to get to the next thing. But for this thing. 
Luke 16:10 says that if you're faithful in little, you'll be made faithful in much. It's tempting to think, oh, I wanted to be here in life by now, and why am I not there? Do you remember in John 7? Jesus tells his brothers. He says, for you, any time is good. But he says, for me, God's time is important. And he waited. Did you know that Paul, in Acts 16, desired to go to Ephesus? Ephesus, in Acts 16. But God stopped him. He wanted to go to Asia, and God said, no. He knew that there was great ministry to be done there. We read that in 1 Corinthians. But God said, stop. But three years later, God opened the door. And in a short period of time, the entire province of Asia had heard the gospel. You are God's masterpiece. God is designing you for His work. Trust His timing. Trust the engineer to build you right to use you for his purpose. He will use you in great ways. Now as we think about timing, I want to ask a precious young lady. To tell us a little bit about how God keeps his promises. And in relation to evangelism. And then I will come up and, and uh, finish it out. Welcome, Aliana. Um, I'm going to talk about my favorite um, Bible story. The one at the well. Yo quiero hablar acerca de mi historia favorita de la Biblia, eh, que es la mujer en el pozo. This is lesson one, God keeps his promises. Esta es la lección uno, Dios nos, da su, nos mantiene, mantiene sus promesas. Entonces va a ser, va a ser eh, Juan capítulo 4, versículos del 1 al 6. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judah and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat nearly beside the well about noontime. Jesús sabía que los fariseos se habían enterado de que él hacía y bautizaba más discípulos que Juan, aunque no era Jesús mismo quien lo bautizaba, sino sus discípulos. Así que se fue de Judea y volvió a Galilea. En el camino tenía que pasar por Samaria. Entonces llegó a una aldea samaritana llamada Sica, cerca del campo que Jacob le dio a su hijo José. Allí estaba el pozo de Jacob y Jesús. Y Jesús, cansado por la larga caminata, se sentó junto al pozo cerca del mediodía. 
Este era un lugar muy especial en la historia. Entonces vamos a tomar una pausa ahí y vamos a aprender acerca de Sikar. Sikar was built either by or on the ruins of Shechem. Entonces eh, eh, Sikar fue construida en Oroch, en las ruinas de Shechem. It was in between Mount Gerizim and, and Mount Ebal. Estaba en, en medio del monte eh, Gerizim y el monte Ebal. These are some good things that happened on Shechem. Estas son las cosas buenas que pasaron en Shechem. Abraham first received God's promise at Shechem, Genesis 12:1-9. Moses told the people that when they took the promised land, they had to put the blessing and the curse on Mount Gerizim and on Mount Ebal. Eh, también vimos que Moisés le dice a la, al, al pueblo de que cuando él eh, tomó las promesas eh, de la tierra tenía que poner, tenía que poner una, una maldición sobre el monte Jericín y sobre el monte Ebal. Y eso está en el Deuteronomio 11, 26 a 32. After Jericho and I were destroyed, Joshua renewed the covenant here. Después de que, de que Jericó y ahí fueron destruidos, Josué renovó el, el pacto. Just like Moses told them to Joshua 8, Así como Moisés le dijo que lo hiciera, y esto está en Josué 8, del 30 al 35. After they conquered the promised land, Joshua renewed the covenant again at Shechem and said, As for me and my. En Josué 24, 1 al 28, dice de que después de que conquistaron la tierra prometida, Josué renovó el pacto otra vez en Shechem y le dijo de que mi casa y, y yo se serviremos, serviremos al Señor. Joshua 24, 1 28. También hay cosas malas que pasaron en Shechem también. Jacob's sons killed the men of Shechem after they hurt their sister. Los hijos de Jacob mataron a los hombres que hicieron daño a, la, a su hermana en este lugar. Joseph was sold into slavery here. También eh, se venció, eh, José fue vendido en servitud aquí. Jacob put his idols there even though he received God's promises. Jacob puso sus ídolos, eh, sus ídolos ahí a pesar de que ya había recibido las promesas de Dios. Israel was divided at Shechem. Eh, Israel fue dividido en, en Shechem. A lot of idol worship happened here. Pasó, pasaron también muchas adoraciones de ídolos ahí. God first made his promise here and then brought the Israelites back to Shechem to show them that he always keeps his promises. Eh, Dios hizo sus primeras promesas aquí y después trajo a los israelitas eh, les trajo a los israelitas eh, de regreso a Shechem 
para mostrarles a ellos que siempre estaría con ellos y mantendría sus promesas. Los israelitas rompieron muchas promesas y pecaron mucho aquí. Ellos sabían de que Dios iba a cumplir sus promesas, pero ellos quebraron su promesa. Jesús viene para enseñar de que Dios todavía cumple sus promesas. Esta es el final de la lección. So God keeps his promises, you guys. Dios mantiene sus promesas, chicos. I'm going to go ahead and uh, start to summarize this. Voy a, uh, a, a todo esto. And I'm going to ask you to believe what God says is true about you. And about the work he's called you to. Y del que los a hacer. Most importantly about him. Lo más de él, who alone gives you the power for the work that he's called you So you have an enemy who's going to lie to you. Ay, usted, usted que los va a What does he tell you about each of you? ¿Qué les dice de cada uno de What do you think? What does he say? ¿Qué les está You're not good enough. You can't. We can't do it. That we're weak. we're weak. Can I tell you, no, Satan will always take a little bit of truth and try and twist it, yeah? In your own, is all that true? But with God, is that true? No, and you have him in you. Second Peter 1.3 tells you. One, three. Uno, tres, les dice, that you have everything you need for life and godliness. Let me tell you some lies that he will tell you about evangelism. He's going to say you need the gift of evangelism in order to do evangelism. You each have spiritual gifts. But not all of you have the spiritual gift of evangelism. But you should still share your faith. Okay. ¿Sí? Pretend like you're very sad and ask me for encouragement. You know, my gift is not encouragement, so forget it. It's a lie that you have to have the gift of evangelism to do evangelism. We are all given the privilege of sharing our faith. Another lie is that you validate the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Um, gotta pick on somebody. Simon, you're a great guy. Simón, eres un gran chico. But not the power of God and the salvation. Pero no tienes el poder de Dios en la salvación. But you get to share that with Pero puedes compartir más de algo con él. Another lie is that you have to earn the right to share the gospel. Otra, otra, otra mentira es que tienes que eh, ganarte el derecho de compartir el evangelio. You can share the gospel with anyone. Puedes compartir el evangelio con cualquiera. Jesus earned that right 2,000 years ago. 
Jesús ganó ese derecho para ti hace dos mil años. Another lie is that tools, Otra mentira es que las herramientas, uh, procedures, los procedimientos, like five-star evangelism, como el evangelismo de cinco estrellas, aren't any good. No son buenos. Because you have to do it in a very relational, fun way. Porque tienes que hacerlo de una forma relacional y divertida. It's a lie. Es una mentira. The gospel of God is the power, or the gospel is the power of God. El evangelio es el poder de Dios. Okay, so use good tools to share the gospel. One, one lie is that only the very poor need the gospel. No, everybody needs the gospel. Even the very rich. Okay, one is you have to make sure no one gets offended. You have to make sure no one gets mad. It's not true. Sometimes the gospel offends people. You should be loving and kind. But if they are offended by the message of the gospel, that is not your fault. Another lie is that only the perfect method will produce results. I've seen people make fools of themselves trying to share the gospel. And still people came to Christ. So don't look for the perfect approach. Say simply, I'm willing, God. There's another lie that is a, a quote of St. Francis of Assisi. Preach always, use words if necessary. Sorry. Preach always, ah, and use words if you have to. Predica siempre y utiliza palabras si necesario. No, the words are always necessary. No, las palabras siempre son necesarias. Giving somebody some food is good. Dale a alguien un poco de comida es bueno. But more importantly, they need the gospel. Pero más importante necesitan el evangelio. Okay. ¿Sí? Another lie. Otra is mentira. That old people won't change. Es de la gente grande no va a cambiar. There's a lady in my evangelism class in my church. Hay una una señora en la clase de evangelismo en mi iglesia. Who is passionate about sharing her faith. Que es ella tiene mucha pasión en compartir She's la fe. She's in her seventies. Ella está en sus setentas. She became a Christian at fifty-nine. Ella se se convirtió cuando tenía cincuenta y nueve. Which isn't terribly old. But she's good evidence that we shouldn't toss a whole bunch of people out just because of their age. The final lie is that most people are not interested. You look at people, they're handsome, beautiful, smiling, and you think, I don't want to ruin their day. Well, you do not know what's inside. You don't know the broken relationships, the financial struggles, the unmet expectations, the shame, the guilt, the regret, and the burden of their sin that they are waiting for a Savior to take. I told you today that I would ask you for a decision. And since it's almost the end of the hour, I'm going to skip the very difficult challenge and leave you with a very easy question. 
sentido difícil y solo voy a con una pregunta fácil. I want to ask you if you will say I am ready to believe that Jesus quiero, is telling the truth. Quiero que ustedes eh, contesten y piensen si estoy dispuesto a creer que Jesús está diciendo la verdad. And before you say yes or no. Y antes que me digan sí o no. I want you to say whether you're going to believe that you are who he says you are. Entonces, esperando que me contesten sí o no, sí o no quiero saber si ustedes van a creer lo que él dice que son ustedes de verdad. Are you going to believe that he's made you for something very important? And are you going to believe that he gives you all the power you need to do that thing? Okay, can I ask you? If you believe and are ready to believe that you are who he's made you to be, a masterpiece una obra maestra, that you're created for a work that is very important and that he's given you everything you need to do that work if you're ready to say yes I'm going to believe that I want you to symbolically stand up right now as a demonstration that yes I believe this okay Daryl I'm going to hand them to you in just a minute. Daryl's going to be teaching you a lot about how to do this good work. And right now, you're publicly saying, my heart is God's. <laughs> and I'm ready to follow him in that work. And so when he gets up to teach us, I'm asking you to be all in. <laughs> to be like a sponge that soaks it up. To have a heart to apply it for your life. And to teach others too as well. Okay, thanks for standing up. You can sit down now. You are each God's masterpiece. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. He has you where he wants you. You haven't messed up the timing. He is engineering the masterpiece right now. And something very good is about to come out of it. Okay? I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to take a break. Jesus, I thank you so much for this group. Father, as I sought you in prayer about this group, you told me so clearly to tell them how special they are. God, I pray that no one here would doubt how special they are in your eyes. I pray that no one here would doubt the great work that you've called them to. I pray that you'd give them the energy to diligently study this week to learn how to do what you've called them to. And Jesus, I pray that this group would multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply so that millions would be reached that someday when we stand before you in heaven 